Heyman, and you're listening to Changemakers. Today, I'm joined by Christina Bengtsson, the author and global thought leader on a mission to put society's focus on the art of focus itself. As a world champion in precision shooting and a former military officer, Christina knows just what it takes to leverage a focused mindset to achieve success. And today, she uses those skills to focus on locking people's full potential. She's been described as the female version of James Bond, moving on purpose with precision, charisma, and grace. And to tell us more, Christina, welcome to Changemakers. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Let's start with what is it like to be a female James Bond? <laughs> well, it depends. It depends on who is asking. <laughs> <laughs> Well, whether you pull your gun out. <laughs> but it actually, honestly, thank you for that uh, excellent introduction. It does feel uh, very okay because I think when people put these elevated names upon me, so to say, I think it actually tells more about them and about the world we live in than mm. it tells about me. You see what I mean? Well, I do. I mean, I mean, obviously, though, I think it's for good reason. People will, I'm sure, use this episode as an excuse to go and listen to your TED talk, read about you. But I mean, obviously, you, you've led an active life. You've done so many incredible things as, as a world champion, sharpshooter, precision at the heart of what you do as a as a former sort of military officer. I guess this is what gives the air of mystery to the Christina story. I suppose let's start there in terms of what that taught you about the art of focus. Well, firstly, uh, I realised, and I remember that day very specifically, I realised how much distractions, how many distracting thoughts I had within my own mind when I tried to perform on the shooting range. And I realized that most of my thoughts and my worrying thoughts were either on the past or on the future, you know, wondering what's going to happen if I lose or mm. why did I did not do this or that or why, why are all the, the shots not coming into the 10 or finding just another place on the target where they're not supposed to be, even though I'm so super well trained. So I should be able to hit the, the 10 all the time. And then I realized that, well, if I can just simply get rid of these distracting thoughts, then there is a kind of um, space, a kind of cognitive space where I am completely calm and where my mind is neutral in the sense mm. of not being worried about what's going to happen if I do not win. So it's clear. It's a clear it's, mind. It's clear and it's uh, 100% me, not my thought. And also there's another thing here when I realized that, hey, there is a deeper passion than simply trying to become best in the sense of better than others. Standing on a podium is very fine, but if you realize even before you step up on the podium that there is something deeper, something, something more important than actually just standing on a podium, then it's actually easier to, in the end, step up on the podium. <laughs> but I get that from the, you know, your wonderful quote for life. I have time because there is so much I don't need to do. I mean, how, how do you make those choices in terms of understanding, <laughs> well, what, what, what represents, I guess, the focus thing to do and what represents the waste of time? Yes. Well, if you look upon the, the world today, and I think it might have been the same since many years now, but if I'm allowed to say, we do have a large amount of irrelevance out there. <laughs> so what you're going to get much disagreement with that. <laughs> so, and maybe that comes back to why people want to call me with elevated names. 
they probably need a role model. There is probably association of um, of fragmentation and short sightedness and um, and superficiality. People need some kind of um, embodiment of stability and of clarity. And me presenting that by at least uh, a few times <laughs> in my life <laughs> had hit the target, so to say, and reached a top level, but without uh, being cocky. I am very humble, and I think people can sense that. And this also shows that there is this deepness beyond the podium, so mm. to say. It is about deciding what not to do. And for that, it requires uh, self-esteem, I guess. I think, and I think self-esteem is, is, is an interesting way of looking at it, isn't it? In terms of, because, you know, we often do things because we feel obligated. We feel, you know, may not be what we want to do, but we think, well, it's probably the right thing to do. But, you know, you, you talk about why you, and I would say that, you know, having listened to your TED talk and watched it is that there's this wonderful almost like melody in the way of listening to you speak you feel almost calmed by the process a less rushed almost very much in in your world and I suppose in exploring that I'd like to go back a step in terms of to take you before you were the precision shooter before you joined the army what kind of got you to those first chapter headings I guess in terms of the the Christina story what was the younger Christina thinking about how focused were you growing up and and how much of this I guess then became very very new to you (laughs) well it's a it's an interesting question that I gladly answer because I do think I have had some kind of and here we come back to the mystery (laughs) I think I have had some kind of coldness ever since I was born actually Uh, some kind of uh, ability to dare to be authentic, to dare to be myself. And I guess this is also a reason why I then later on in life, quite late in life, actually, dare to take a decision that, hey, why not become best in the world at something, but without being forced to reach any goal, actually, Mm. but to just do what I knew I could do. But going back to uh, childhood, you know, I'm born on a farm on the countryside, and I spent a lot of time um, with my brother, of course, Uh, but also with animals. I remember times when I spent hours with my pig, for instance. I had my own pig. His name uh, was Knoe, (laughs) typical (laughs) Swedish name. (laughs) On a pig, so to say. (laughs) Those hours probably helped me to realize how much you can um, understand beyond words by Mm. just looking upon a face, so to say, and to understand and to force yourself, your mind, to understand empathy by by listening uh, to the noise of an animal and and um... did that do things like slow your heartbeat? Do you, do you think that there were? Uh, I mean, a, a lot of people have said, especially during the pandemic, that that, mm. that na- nature has been has been a, a, a savior for some people in terms of an ability to sort of keep it all together in terms of you know mindfulness, a sense of escape, but also I suppose critically a sense of well-being. Yes, I I think so. To take another example that I think of very much, as I spend still a lot of time in the woods, (laughs) I I literally live in the woods, to be there from the very first beginning when you plant a small tree, like an oak tree, and you know when you do that, that this tree is supposed to live, well, depending on what kind of tree industry or forest industry you're supposed to build, so to say, but if you, if you put an oak tree in the soil and you look upon it and then you know that this little plant, very much smaller than I am, very much more tinier than I am in all aspects, will grow hundreds of times bigger than, than me myself and will live a lot longer than I will do. 
mm. and that any on the planet will do if we let the tree live, so to say. And I think this creates a kind of a respect for nature and re a respect for time. And instead of feeling that, hey, time goes very fast, I need to make a bucket list, <laughs> I probably quite early in life realized that, well, I can, I can be in charge of time by, by just putting my own perspective upon it. Do, do, you, do you understand? I, I absolutely do <laughs> understand. And I'm, and I'm sort of, you know, thinking that here is Christina in a beautiful natural environment and, and actually is getting all sorts of perspectives about nature and the humility of you know of, of actually being on the planet for a certain amount of time and seeing things around you like the trees and then I'm wondering how does that version of Christina translate into London a city of 10 8 to 10 8, eight and a half million people I think it is let's say but busy the streets are full people are rushing you know how do you feel when you come into that kind of big urban environment where this issue about focus is probably on so many people's minds, either positively or negatively. But for you personally, how do you react to that to that kind of being in busy hustle bustle places? <laughs> well, I see in front of me we could I see in front of me we could make a, a Netflix series and see what happens. Maybe I will collapse, you know. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> but obviously, I am in big cities quite often because of my work, and there is nothing particular happening happening with me. But what I do is, um, and I'm not sure you can see that if you met me. But what I do is that I more or less take a step back. And I start to analyze even more because I do see this difference that even I get, if I'm allowed to say, uh, attacked by all these uh, disturbances uh, and the time poverty and the fragmentation and the intensity, intensity of the city life. But then what I do is that I, I bring with me the calmness that I have inside and the ability to resist all these impulses to actually, in a way which is quite easily done, to say no uh, mm. to all those things that are trying to steal my attention. So it's not really a problem for me, but I, or I do respond upon that intense, busy uh, city life by analyzing also other people. And, and I, I must say, I mean, I mean, having you know read read some of the things you've written, is that I find it really uplifting that actually focus is an achievable, you know, outcome for people. I mean, and you've said that to be focused is not not hard, rather it's a pleasure. I think a lot of people think, well, focus is an obligation rather than an opportunity, if you like. But I suppose easier said than done, right? In terms of, you know, we, we're surrounded by distractions. I mean, I, I personally will, you know, I, I think about technology as being, you know, a huge one, our relationship with, sort of, you know, the technology in our hands, iPhones, social media, the, the whole thing. It feels like, it feels like we are increasingly ill-equipped uh, as people to be able to, to stay focused in a world of just so many distractions. Yeah, and this is exactly the way we need to see upon focus, that focus is an innate skill. It's something we have had with us since thousands of years back. So we do not need to force ourselves to become focused. We actually already are. But we're living in a society where so many things all the time are trying to, to grab our attention. And I feel that if we try to see focus as another trend or as another thing we need to practice, perhaps in the morning to be able to start 
a focused day, well, then we are going the wrong way. What we need to do is to analyze and to see what are the distractions, what are the distract distracting structures in our own lives, but also in the society. And when we start to analyze that, we can hopefully more easily see how can we create and how can we build institutions and perhaps societies where people are giving the opportunity to not just develop, but also to maintain a focused mindset mm. where we actually protect cognitive and emotional potential rather than always trying to optimize it. I'm wondering, do you ever doubt yourself and doubt the situation? Because, you know, you've been a world champion. You know, that's a, an incredible position to have. And, and, and obviously I've, I've interviewed a lot of elite athletes, but you've also served at a really senior level in, in, in the armed forces and in the special forces, I, I, I believe. I wonder whether, d- does that type of very, very unique environment in some way insulate you against many of the, the issues, that the anxieties, the, the doubts that I guess we all have? Does it give you some special protection, do you think? I think it gives uh, a resilience. What we learn in the military that more than, than I say, more people than I say, is that you need to learn a lot about yourself because otherwise you cannot interact in a fearful situation with another person. You must create trust. And trust is created where you actually are in a focused mindset. You must be yourself and you must respect others and to see who they actually are so that you can trust them. Mm. So I think the military training helps people and has helped me too to um, to dare to be 100% uh, me, myself, Also, as a woman, I didn't need to try to be (laughs) something else but a woman. (laughs) And I think actually that was a strength. Was it difficult being a woman in the military for for you? Yes, in in some situations, yes, of course. But I think what was important was to realize the reason why it was difficult and to not only blame the situation or the military structure or the male-dominated way of acting. I needed rather to to see the deep qualities that I had as a woman and to dare to use those qualities um, Mm. in a stronger way. And I I read that, you know, when when you were in your early 20s, I mean, you've written of an inner drive and and energy and you didn't really know how to to handle it. And was sport and the military the way that you actually did energies and I suppose you take out the other side as you are in an, an, another chapter in your life. Yes, saying like this that uh, when I left the sports and the military, uh, which was a kind of combination to respond to this inner capacity that I had, I saw that people had lost something. So you know I came from worlds where focus was elevated and was respected as a necessary ability. And I step into another world where I see time poverty and fragmentation, attention addiction. So this is the time when I realized that I actually have developed a mindset that can serve others but myself. And I felt a kind of need to do that. And this probably responds to your question that, Yes, I walked around having a kind of inner capacity that I hardly didn't know what to do with. I'm not saying that to be cocky and to sound more than others. I say it because I think many people can feel this way, especially in younger years, but also throughout your whole life, because Mm. life changes and suddenly there are opportunities that appear and you realize that you have a large amount of capabilities within you. We quite seldomly do something about it, so to say. So I'm thinking... (laughs) Is Christina's story really the art of focus or is it about how to find fulfillment? Because it feels like focus is a vehicle for how you 
find something about yourself. And there is a, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, just to share it for listeners, I mean, there, there is such a tremendous calmness to Christina. I mean, I I, I feel like I, I don't even feel like I'm I'm interviewing you at the moment. I just feel like we're just having a conversation, <laughs> right? Because there's because I think that's the energy that you convey, right? You know, there's there's a kind of and and I suppose I'm wondering what have you found that the rest of us haven't in terms of that fulfillment piece, in terms of what makes you satisfied with the life that you have? Because I think that's the sort of question a lot of people ask, you know, why am I here? What am I trying to do? This is why I'm so busy. When yeah. do I know enough is enough? Yes, exactly. I I spoke to, to a man yesterday who is uh, exactly in that moment in life where he has achieved a lot of things. He's uh, hopefully very proud of himself, but now he has these thoughts. So now what? And he asked me uh, the similar question that, well, so what about yourself? I mean, is it the Nobel Prize next or what's next? You know, what's next? Exactly. <laughs> yes, I actually explained them and it came very naturally from probably my heart or a combination between the cognitive capacity and <laughs> the emotional part and my heart that, well, sure, it would be nice to have a to be a Nobel Prize winner. And that would be very, really far in the future. I'm, I'm not capable for that yet. Uh, it would prob- probably be as an author when I have helped the whole world to actually reclaim focus. <laughs> but still, I explained that, well, the Nobel Prize, really beautiful, but it's still also, if I'm, I'm allowed to say, just a constellation that society brings, again, with like a podium that you mm. get the prize or you do not get the prize. And we have these very nice and important ceremonies, and then we support the winner, so to say. Really, really important for bringing research upon the table, etc., but from a winning perspective, what is the actual meaning of being best in the sense of better than others? So I'm probably giving an understanding to people that finding a satisfaction with what is is the great is mm. the great achievement. So, so 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 it's within, is it? I mean, I mean, it's really when because so, you know you've said this a couple of times during the interview about you know the constructs that people put up to say you're you're the, you're the female James Bond or or a, an award or whatever it might be. But it, it feels to me like like your message is that you've really got to search for the the recognition, the adulation, whatever, however you might describe it. It's got to start with your own sense of self, hasn't it? it I guess I'm trying to think about the message that you're giving here is don't search for it from outsiders, perhaps. Oh, yes, that's a part of the message, I would say. But if we if we make it clear also, uh, going back to um, focus and um, distractions, I see a lot of potential going to waste because of distractions. And distractions does not only have to be digital platforms grabbing your attention, uh, you know, attention economy, etc. That's one part of it. But it's also our inner, our inner thoughts and our inner thinking, a lack of satisfaction and a fear of not being good enough. And often I see a large amount of people that are actually, you know, searching for some kind of community, which is fine. And they tend to jump upon different kind of um, digital communities or digital trends, which is fine. But what that creates with people is also that they move towards something instead of uh, starting with themselves. Mm. Um, Does that mean that, uh, are you a spiritualist in this? In this, I mean, does spirituality come into this? Well, it's a f- funny question, so to say, because I guess I guess I should say yes, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but presuming you're not. <laughs> but who am I? Who am I to judge? Who am I to say? Because to me, this is this is natural. I get invited to um, to spiritual events, and again, sometimes I'm sitting there and analyzing what's going on, and I see 
a lot of people who are searching instead of being, and hopefully the spirituality teaching help them to be instead of searching. Mm. But sometimes I've got the question, for instance, um, uh, I was in Turkey having a speech on a stage uh, for a few weeks ago, really nice concept. And afterwards, many people told me, and they are, were from different parts of the world, and they said, oh, wow, Christina, I can really see you must you must start a day with meditation and yoga. I mean, I can see it in the way you move. <laughs> on stage and I almost I don't dare to to respond but I did because I'm honest so I said you know I don't do yoga I don't do meditation but it doesn't mean that I think it's wrong it's absolutely good because it brings us back to to ourselves and to the soil so to say and to who we are but perhaps there's something within my story that has so does it given me the ability to honestly say that no i do not do yoga because i don't need to well you're you're but i think also the confidence to find your own mm. path whatever that path may be but i suppose you know mm. people will be listening and thinking i get it you know you you talk in some of your talks about the intense society and you know and i and i, I really feel that you know the sort of the things that you know are are imposing themselves upon you in in life and i suppose I, I'm sat here thinking, okay, right. My question that I have to ask is, so what do I do? What what do people do? What are the if I if I'm if I'm listening to this and think I want to be more focused, I want to find that space for me. What's the next step? I, I, I mean, obviously, I know you want people to go to your website, but in terms of in terms of a kind of like a a thing I could do right now, what's what's the best tip you'd give people? I would start by saying, um, start with eye contact with the next person that you meet, and really practice on, so to say, staying on target. <laughs> um, because eye contact is a very uh, simple uh, practice to help you to reclaim focus in the short-term perspective. It's actually quite difficult, but that just shows that there is something to practice on. There is something to develop. Mm. And when we have eye contact, we also kick in our emotions and the empathic way of our being, so to say. So that's one simple little step to at least know what focus can be and where you steer your attention. So, so with really, your own power. really look at something. Really, really. Yes. In my day job, when I'm in, when I'm in meetings, I, I will quite often vision a first meeting where I'll, I'll just go, I really want to get on with this person. I'm actually willing myself to, to, you know, to notice, to be, to be present, to be aware because and I, I think there's a lot in that. And another tip that I, I've read that, that you provide is around the, the, the concept of gratitude. So tell us a little bit about, about that. Well, again, it starts by um, giving yourself the responsibility to actually steer your attention, your focus with your own power, because we do that uh, quite seldom. We so easily respond upon the from outside coming distractions. It doesn't have to be a distraction. It could be something important, of course. But, you know, we are in this automatic uh, attention mode where we respond unconsciously without actually thinking. So what I want to do is to move people from that mode, so to say, towards a more controlled attention mode where you decide what to focus on. So it means that you start by, just put it simple, start by thinking two seconds before you do something and before you start blaming what's around you. And when you give yourself a kind of stop towards what's out there, you hopefully dig deeper into your core identity and your core values mm. and, and, and most of us create yes, the space sorry. create the space for that as well it, it, yes. emotionally intellectually create a space and to give yourself time 
And when I say that, people can easily respond upon, well, there is no time because I'm supposed to do so many things. And yes, I agree. I also need to do a lot of things. But of course, there is a little amount of time always. You can always choose to give yourself just a little bit of extra time. And if that's difficult, well, try to give someone else time. You know, the, the most, do you say finest thing you can give to another yeah, person? The finest thing, yeah. Yes, it is time and attention. And just think about that for a second or two. And I think that could at least start a little bit of change uh, within people to start to respect their own attention and time and also to respect others and their time. But then also I feel like saying that because it's easily seen as, uh, as we said before, just another practice and to be calm and to give yourself a cognitive space. It's kind of, well, but how does, how do I bring that into the business? Mm. You know, (laughs) there is an everyday life. And I think we need to be, and here comes the military discipline in a little bit, (laughs) or the precision shooting discipline in, I think we need to do a hard work as well. We need to put up structures. Uh, We need to talk about the lack of focus as a societal problem. (laughs) We need to... um, It's almost like a physicality to it, like a training, like a, a regime, I guess you're saying. Oh, yeah, that's a new word. Yes, a strategy, perhaps. It requires mm. a strategy. It requires discipline. I have these seven principles, for instance, for focus, where gratitude and grace actually is one part of it. <laughs> but it also requires that you you build your day and your working life, life or life throughout the question also, what fundamental values underlie a focused mindset for yourself and for others? Because it goes back to fundamental values, actually. Um, Mm. So so you've got to be conscious of the questions, right? In terms of what focus means. I suppose the thing that I'm also thinking is that that is what it means to be in the zone, uh, I guess. And all elite sports people that I've interviewed will tell you that actually that is a very special place because that's where it's the best self. It's where you are doing things at the level where all of that training comes together. However, what I also pick up is that they also fear the loss of that moment, the kind of like the unfocused self. And in terms of the everyday signals that you might be losing that moment of focus. What are the things you should watch out for in terms of actually, I suppose, losing the, that absolute gem in life and actually becoming more unfocused again? What, what, are, the, what are the warning signals, do you think? <laughs> well, what, are you, what do you think? I am going to respond now. I'm, I'm going to say that we'll lower, lower the requirements. I think, actually, even though I have been in this zone and I know what it is, and it's really good for you. It's like another world. You are extremely concentrated. But if everyone is searching for those special moments all the time, we will not manage what we're supposed to manage when it comes to work or just family life. We will not. Uh, those moments are not where we uh, meet future challenges in the society, for instance. I think we also need to see that those special moments where you are extremely focused or in the zone, (laughs) or in the flow moment, are something, going back to gratitude, something we're supposed to just say, oh, hey, thank you. Uh, That's really nice. Thank you, life, in a way. But to also allow ourselves to be out of those moments. Mm. And the only thing we need to know is that there is a moment like this. There is something that we call focus. And you can get there by your own power. 
but you do not need to be in that extreme zone. It's enough by just realizing that, hey, in these five minutes, I was not distracted by emails or whatever it could be. And then, hey, that's good enough. Because then that's good enough for bringing your mind into a creative uh, mode and to actually finish what you started. That's good enough. I think we, we try to, again, optimize our brains and our minds and our souls too much instead of just accepting that they are quite good as they are. Do you see what I mean? I, I do absolutely <laughs> see what you mean. And I, and I actually think, you know, and I, I just wish we had more time to go on because it's such an interesting conversation that actually give yourself a break, allow yourself, allow yourself to sort of ease into this. And I think that, you know, you brought this to life wonderfully, Christina, I think, you know, I mean, I suppose I thought you might be talking much more about this is the kind of the, the 10 point plan, but actually it feels like this kind of, you know, the art of focus is about the art of being. And, you know, and that's why I, I really, really liked your, your tip for life, which you, you you referred to in an earlier answer. But I'm just going to read it out for for, um, for listeners. It, you said that the finest thing you can give to another person is time and attention. Think about that as often as you can. I think wonderful, wonderful advice, Christina. And thank you very much for joining me on Change Makers. <laughs> thank you very much for having me on. <laughs> An absolute pleasure. Changemakers is brought to you by the campaign's firm Seven Hills and presented by me, Michael Heyman. Pure Being is the name of our soundtrack and it's written and performed by the brilliant BT Wolf. To find out more, head over to changemakers.works and if you like what you hear, why not give us a rating? 